Hello, everyone, and welcome to Full Time, where we take you around the world of soccer locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. Full Time is presented by the Game Sports Podcast and powered by 91M. You are listening to Season 4, Episode 9 of Full Time. I'm your host, Daniel Scarpino, and with me is our co-host, Gaetano Gallo. Before we begin today's show, Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. With their two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, you can download and access the Pizza Portal app so you can enjoy a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Remind our listeners that recordings of Full Time occur weekly or bi-weekly and uploads to all of our platforms for public viewing and listening occur weekly or bi-weekly as well. Folks, it gives us great pleasure to welcome you back to Full Time. We hope that you are all doing well. G, another opportunity for us this evening to talk about the beautiful game. How are you, my friend? I'm doing pretty well, Scarps. How are you? All is well on my end, bro. We get to record here, and then we go to uh, get to play some futsal together tonight, as we do uh, most Wednesday nights, so life is definitely good. In today's show, we will discuss the January transfer window, Europe's Big Five, the Carabao Cup semifinals, and the FA Cup. As always, if anyone would like to listen to our previous content, please check us out at Full Time on the Game Sports Podcast and 91N. And without further ado, Gaetano, and to everyone who has taken the time to tune in here today, let's kick off. Let's waste no time here and let's get right into the January transfer window. We haven't been short on excitement in the window and we know that it's only going to get better and better, but... Perhaps the amount of money that we thought would have been spent by this point in the window just hasn't kind of materialized. Gee, how have you enjoyed the transfer market dealings thus far? Uh, I've enjoyed it. I think teams are having to actually be smart, uh, which is a change of pace, uh, in, especially in European uh, soccer leagues. Uh, you know, it's not just spend as much as you want, uh, especially in January anymore. So I'm liking a little more of a, a cautious approach, making teams maybe make little smarter uh, moves. Yes, absolutely. And in our last show, we talked about how much money we thought might get spent this window. And I have to completely and totally renege my statement because just based on, like you said, throwing caution to the wind is not a thing anymore. People, you know, Teams and clubs are being very cautious. Nobody wants to really mess around with the FFP stuff, the financial fair play. So I'm going to pull back my statement if that's allowed, because I don't think that there's going to be as much money as I thought uh, potentially might be spent this window. But uh, obviously, there still is time in the window, and we know that things could get pretty uh, pretty crazy. So we'll see what happens. And the following transfer information that we are about to read comes from The Guardian. So do check them out if you'd like to keep up-to-the-minute transfer market information in uh, in your back pocket in the world of football. First, it's Vitor Roku, so, uh, who goes from Atletico Paranense to Barcelona for $26.1 million. The highly rated Brazilian forward comes, uh, completes rather the January transfer move to a team in need. G, your thoughts on this first one? Uh, I like this one. Uh, he was linked with a lot of uh, high-profile European clubs. Uh, no surprise against him in Barcelona. You see that a lot with the Brazilian players ending up there. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be maybe a superstar, but for $26 million, I can't really say that's a bad deal yet. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And it's probably something at this particular moment in time that Barcelona needs. So I think it bodes well uh, for all parties involved, really. Second, it's Radu Dragusin goes from Genoa to Tottenham for $25 million. The Romanian international defender seals the move to Spurs as Eric Dyer heads out. Gee, 
Spurs secure their number one January target. How does the business of this one fold for them? I mean, I feel like just swapping almost anyone for Eric Dyer at that point would have been uh, like a, an upgrade. And I think that Radu oh, Dra- Dragusin, I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, yeah. He's looked really good for Genoa. He's been kind of a staple in Serie A for a little bit. And I, I really like that move. And also just side note, Eric Dyer to, to Bayern Munich. Like what reality are we living in right now? Right. And <laughs> I mean, I have total faith in Thomas Tuchel because I believe in his managerial abilities, but that's going to take some turnaround, boy. I mean, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, obviously falling out of favor at the international level, amongst other things. But, uh, yeah, you want to talk about falling off a cliff. Mourinho actually had him playing some decent football in his time when Mourinho was in charge at Spurs. But then after that, it was just complete nosedive, wasn't it? Yeah, not not pretty. (laughs) Uh, But we'll see what happens there. Next, we've got Elif Elmas, who goes from Napoli to RB Leipzig for $20.8 Leipzig land the 24-year-old playmaker on a four-and-a-half-year deal. Gee, your insight for this one. I mean, RB Leipzig are always always seem to be finding those young, not not like super young, but just like that kind of early 20s player, you know, bringing them in for a kind of a nominal fee and then turning them around and selling them for a massive profit. So I, uh, I'm excited to see what uh, Elmas can do. And uh, I mean, best case scenario for them, he turns into a, you know, 67 million uh, euro player in like a couple summers. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, to your point, Leipzig always seem to do pretty decent business. And I think that this is one that's probably going to materialize in their favor. Next up, we've got Jaden Sancho, who goes from Man United to Dortmund on loan. Dortmund were able to bank $85 million for San- uh, Sancho's transfer in 2021, and now they get him back on loan. Gitano Sancho is back to familiar surroundings now, we can say. But is this move something in these early stages that we've seen anyway? Is this something that's going to be good for him and the two clubs that are involved? I mean, he got an assist like 20 minutes into his like second debut. So like, I feel like at least for him, unreal deal. You know, he's back to where he's familiar, where the fans love him. They they don't love him. They adore him, um, where he put up incredible numbers. I think that's, it's phenomenal for him. Like, and like you said, for Dortmund, you know, pocket 85 million taken back on loan 18 months later like can't go wrong and for united it's paul pogba paul pogba all over again just about yeah pretty much and yeah it's a win-win for dortmund and you know it's interesting sometimes you see players go from club to club and with one club they look a complete shell of themselves and then they go back to another club or they just go to another club in general and it's like whoa that's the guy that i was looking for and this is, seems to be kind of the situation with gene sancho and i actually quite like him as a player and i hope uh in all honesty i really do hope that it works out well for him because i think he has a, a pretty promising career ahead next we've got timo Werner, who goes from rb leipzig to tottenham on loan tottenham were in need of a backup striker and it's timo Werner who heads back to the premier league where, where he had 23 goals in 89 games in his last stint in england Gitano, this uh, this clearly is a short-term solution for Tottenham, or at least it appears to be that way. But is this going to work out? Uh, I have to watch my words here because we play uh, City plays Spurs on Saturday. So if I like if I'm too negative about him, I know he's going to score. Uh, he's the type of player like we just had to talk about with Sancho. Like you saw him for RB Leipzig, just you know scored like basically at will. Uh, went to Chelsea and probably couldn't hit uh, water if he fell out of a boat. I'm interested to see if it was you know like a Chelsea issue, whether it was like a him issue, whether it was, you know, can adapt to the league well. But like, he's a player who knows how to score a ton of goals. Um, 
I hope he doesn't score on Saturday, but like I would not be totally shocked if he kind of became their number one striker taking over Charleston's spot. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and it's one of those things too, where, you know, players thrive in Europe, but then all of a sudden they go to the English Premier League and they get found out pretty quickly. And I'm not saying that that's the case with Timo Werner because everyone deserves a second chance, I feel. And maybe it's going to go well for him at Tottenham. But at the same time, I mean, his first shot back for Tottenham went in a rosette and there was memes all over the place about him. So we're going to see what happens. Um, and he's actually, again, despite the fact that he plays for Tottenham, he's a player that I actually quite like. And I hope that it does work out well for him because, um, again, like you said, when he was uh, originally in Germany, he was scoring goals at will and it was no problem. So hopefully for him, it does uh, work out. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see if this loan deal materializes into anything. Next up, we've got Donny van de Beek, who goes from Manchester United to Frankfurt on loan. There is an option for the Dutchman to sign permanently at $11 million, but this is also a player who is looking to get his confidence back. Gee, it just hasn't worked out for this poor guy at United, no matter who the manager has been, whether it's been Solskjaer, uh, whether it's been uh, Ten Hag, anybody. Um, is this a good or a bad thing uh, for van de Beek, this move? I mean, the fact that I forgot he existed until you sent me the list of transfers we were going to talk about uh, on this episode probably means that this is a good move for him. Uh, I remember him in part of that. It was the 2019 Ajax team, I think it was. I went to the Champions League semifinal. Like, he was one of their best players, one of the most like, highly sought after players out of that team outside of De Jong and De Ligt. Um, and yeah, just to say it hasn't worked at United, it'd be like a massive understatement. I think he's got, you know, a handful of appearances. I think me and you have the same amount of like goal involvements as him in the Premier League. Like it's not pretty. Um, so I think just moving anywhere uh, for him is great. And I think going to the Bundesliga to Frankfurt, probably like ideal. I think that kind of is going to suit his style of play and hopefully he can turn his career around. Yeah. And you know what? This kind of reminds me, I mean, in a different way, I suppose, but the Calvin Phillips situation, as, as you would know, yeah. it's like, it's one of those things, not so much for Calvin Phillips at City, but more so for Van de Beek at United. Like, I could never understand why he wasn't playing, if that makes any sense, because yeah. what was playing ahead of him wasn't drastically better by any stretch of the imagination, the likes of Fred McTominay and these types of players. So, you know, he's a guy that, you know, when the camera would show him on the bench, you know, he's always in good spirits. But then towards the end, it was just like, uh, you can see how dejected he was, and I felt really bad. So I do hope for his sake that he kind of revitalizes um, his career, and, and I hope that things kick off for him. Next up, we've got a big one. Lucas Baraldo is going to go from Sao Paulo to PSG for $22 million. The skillful left-sided centre-back will wear number 35 after agreeing to a five-year deal. Definitely not a, a short contract. Gatano, an investment here from PSG. Uh, what can be said about this one? Yeah, I, I don't hate this. Uh, you know, their back line's kind of getting a little older now. Marquinhos is in his, you know, kind of early to mid-30s. You're going to have to start looking to replace those guys. And I think bringing uh, Beraldo in is probably, like, a, a, I don't want to say it's a, like, surefire move, but, like, PSG have had really good luck with Brazilian centre-backs dating back to, like, Alex, like, way before, like, Thiago Silva, Marquinhos. So I think I think they should look pretty good for their future. And for the 20-odd million they pay, I think they're going to definitely get their money's worth out of it. Yeah, I think that this is going to end up being a little bit of a, of a bargain, and uh, I think that he's going to come good, uh, not just in that league, obviously, but I think this will uh, kind of bode well for the club in terms of European competition and just progressing as a club because they do need to take steps forward. Next up, we've got uh, Gonzalo Ramos, who goes from Benfica to PSG for $71 million. 
With bags of potential, the expectation is for goals, goals, and more goals. G, for the price tag, it has to be asked, is this move a thumbs up or a flop in the making? It's like three quarters of the way down. Because, you know, he does have that potential to be a superstar player. Uh, we saw it at the World Cup. He bagged a hat-trick. Like, he's been banging goals for Benfica for a couple years now. But at the same time, PSG still... Their attack still isn't, like, fully functional. Uh, you know, it's still very, you know, give the ball to Mbappe and let him run it, guys. Right. So I'm interested to see if that, you know, if him coming in kind of, you know, either eases that burden on Mbappe, frees him up, or if he just becomes a uh, pass the ball to Mbappe kind of forward. Right. And, and that's the thing, like, the, the thing that intrigues me most is what are they, as in PSG, going to do system-wise, or how are, how are the patterns in attack going to look like to try and get him involved? Because, like you said, it really is. Let's get Mbappe isolated and let's let him take on whoever's in front of him, whether it's one, two, three, four guys. But now how do they incorporate, you know, Ramos to to not just be a playmaker, but obviously he's been brought in to score goals. So how does he get incorporated that way? Do they have him playing right through the middle? Do they have him playing off to either side? Do they have him playing in the pockets? Do they have him just targeting certain areas of the pitch or certain players? It's going to be very interesting to see. But for that type of uh, money spent, uh, you better hope that it comes good but based on your explanation it's one of these yeah it's like it's like yeah but like let's say like he he could very well you know score a bag load of goals and it's you know 71 million well spent or in like 18 months he could be getting shipped to like you know turkey like it's 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 one or the other like there's no kind of in between here i don't think yeah and i'm with you on that it's definitely going to go this way or it's going to go this way zach stefan goes from manchester city to the colorado rapids for a nominal fee Stefan is slowly getting back into the U.S. national team conversation and game time will now be at his disposal. Gee, is this going to help the 28-year-old's career moving forward? Uh, absolutely. I think he kind of, he was never going to replace Ederson. That said, he was always brought in to be a backup. Uh, he did a really good job of pushing Ederson. You know, that's kind of what you want in a backup keeper uh, is good competition. Someone that, you know, could actually threaten your your number one spot. But he never, you know, he never took that title off. Ederson was never going to. Uh, he wanted the game time uh, for the last couple of years. Now he's been on a few loans. Uh, and unfortunately for him, Stefan Ortega's come in uh, last summer and been one of the best backup keepers in the league. So he was just never going to get that spot back on City's bench. I think going to the MLS uh, is great for him in terms of just the national team. Just, just a little closer to home. He's going to get a little bit more exposure. Uh, and yeah, I think uh, I think he got everything that he wanted and like could have got out of that move to City. Good couple of years, won a couple of trophies, you know, a couple of medals. Uh, definitely kind of cemented himself as one of you know those two guys for the national team. And I think going back to Colorado is going to kind of seal that for him. Yeah, you summarized that beautifully. And and you know what? In football, like most things in life, I don't think that there's anything that's perfect. Even if you take a look at the World Cup with Messi, he had about as close to a perfect tournament that you could have imagined, but it still wasn't perfect because they lost their first game of the tournament. Like nothing is ever perfect in football, but I think for all, you know, sort of accounts, if you take a look at Zach Steffen, what he did with City, you know, the, the few opportunities that he did get, the things that he was uh, able to be a part of with winning, now he's getting back into that national team conversation. He's going to go to the Colorado Rapids, who, again, they, you know, they're going to be okay this year, I think. And uh, he's going to be a leader there, and he's going to get a lot of game time. I think that this just, you know, a perfect storm for him. So delighted to see that he's uh, going to progress his career. That... But, but he... Oh, sorry, go ahead. So I was, 
he made a bag at City too. So like, let's not forget about that. Like he got paid. <laughs> so well, like I, on top of all of that, like perfect, perfect for him. Yeah, and we, you know what? That uh, futsal last week, you and I and a few others, we were talking about uh, Jordan Henderson and like, you know, where you know when it comes to money, right? That's one thing that we forget. Old oh, guy plays here, guy plays there. He's not getting minutes here, or there. But they are making, in many cases, a lot of money. So for Zach Steffen, you know that he secured the bag, to your point. 100%. Sorry to cut you off there. <laughs> no, that's okay. We're into the last one now, and it's uh, Ian Matson who goes from Chelsea to Dortmund on loan. Dortmund needed a left back after uh, the exit of Rafael Guerrero to Bayern last summer, and this should offer Matson uh, a legitimate chance. Gee, is the 21-year-old going to thrive at the club? Uh, I would like to see him thrive. He's someone I've had my eye on. City's needed a left back for, you know, 15 years now. <laughs> um, you know, the last like real left backs we had were like uh, Gail Kalishi and Alex Kolarov. You know, Zinchenko was kind of makeshift. Right? Fabian Delph was makeshift. And there's been kind of links. He's, maybe his future might not be at Chelsea long term. Um, so I really hope that this works out for him. And I hope City go for him. Uh, you know, maybe not next summer, but the summer after that. There you go. Yeah, no, I... Uh... I think that, you know, especially for his age and, and these sorts of things, I think that he will uh, thrive at the club and he's going to a, uh, a big club and, yeah, a team that's going to push for honours in Europe and these types of things. So definitely bodes well. And, of course, Gaetano, we did not cover every single transfer that occurred so far this window, but were there any others that uh, caught your eye? Um, none that are official yet. So I don't want to, you know, overstep our boundaries here, but I will say the Calvin Phillips loan uh, with the obligation to buy it to West Ham should be coming up shortly. Um, just never really worked out. He he showed up with an injury, uh, kind of never got back to that full fitness. And the other issue was, uh, you know, the guy that he's competing with for for minutes is maybe one of the greatest of all time in Rodri. So it was just, you know, uh, we talked about Zach, Zach Seven having a perfect storm. Calvin Phillips has kind of had the exact opposite. That. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. Uh, but he will leave City as a treble winner, European champion, and again, secured a bag. So what can you say? <laughs> exactly. And apart from, uh, at least to my recollection, uh, one comment that he made in the media that he thought that he should be playing, from what I saw, and you would know way better than me, obviously, being a City fan, uh, to me, always seemed a brilliant teammate and always wanted to support the guys that were in front of him, the likes of Rodri and uh, De Bruyne and Silva and all these guys. So, yeah, I think for all intents and purposes, of course, he would have wanted to play more, obviously, but... Um, yeah, been a great teammate and like you said, secured the bag and then obviously won a ton of things. So um, if and when he does go to West Ham, which it really obviously shows that he will, uh, I think that actually things will work out well there for him because uh, I still think he's a top player and he's in for a uh, with a show for the England national team still, I believe. Absolutely. And yeah, um, everything that I've heard about him as uh, as a teammate has just been great. You know, even on the bench, like, you know, we were talking about Donny van de Beek, you always saw him like, and by the end, he looked like he just didn't want to be there. Like, you never saw that with Calvin Phillips. He was always big smile, big grin, laughing. So, yeah, I uh, as as a football player, it didn't work out. But uh, for the human being, Calvin Phillips, I'm uh, I'm hoping this kind of, you know, gets him back on track in terms of his career. And he has, uh, you know, fine success in West London. For sure. And uh, if at any point in time, uh, Declan Rice needed a partner, we would absolutely want <laughs> A reminder that the January transfer window will close on Thursday, February 1st at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And here on Full Time, we will highlight all of the major moves made in the transfer market. So be sure to tune in to all of our upcoming episodes uh, and specifically our next episode on Full Time uh, so that you can stay up to speed with all of the dealings in the world of football.
This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you're listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Podcast. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Let's get on to Europe's Big Five, ladies and gentlemen, and we will get things rolling with the English Premier League. It's Liverpool who remain at the top with 48 points. Manchester City, Arsenal and Aston Villa are all joint second with 43 points each, but City do have a game in hand. Tottenham sit in fifth with 40 points of their own. Gee, Liverpool is the uh, outnote leaders at this moment in time with a few teams, uh, both of ours included, uh, who are all vying to challenge. What can be said right now for this title chase? Uh, it's looking real tasty, Scarps. Like yep. the fact that Villa is still hanging in there, uh, like really, as much as I'd like want City to win and want it to be like nice and easy, it's really exciting to see Villa like keeping this chase up and not uh, falling off. Um, but the big, big news has got to be the return of Kevin De Bruyne changes yep. the title race completely. Um, you know, if you ca- caught his cameo against Newcastle uh, the other week, 21 minutes, goal, assist, made it look like he hadn't been missing at all. I think that. Not that I didn't never thought City would win, but this is like this this is shifting things back into City's favor for sure. Yes, and uh, you know, watching that, I don't know what was more impressive. Uh, three things for me: whether it was the goal because he disguised it so well and he passed it into the corner, like similar to how we're gonna do tonight when we pass it into those little goals in futsal. Like that's what it looked like. I don't know if that was more impressive or the assist, the vision, and like just. Just the, the shape on the pass, the curve on the ball, unbelievable. Or number three, which not really many people are talking about, which I'm surprised, he looks dead trim. Like, he looks fit. Like, I don't know what he was doing in his recovery or whatever, or what his diet's been like, but he looks unbelievable. And I mean, the fourth thing that we're, we're going to talk about there is Oscar Bob rounding Nick Pope in like the 94th minute at St. James Park. <laughs> like, all of that together. Like, it was just incredible. Um, yeah, and like the goal. Like how many how many players in world football can pass the ball into the corner like that from like outside the box with that type of like power and accuracy like maybe two or three and like he just made it look so easy it's just and I've I've said it a million times I'll continue to say it he's the best player I will ever see play for Manchester City it's not even close I think he's probably the best mid oh not probably he is the best midfielder the Premier League's ever seen and it's between him and Henri for the greatest Premier League player of all time. It's almost like Messi Ronaldo. It's just like pick pick your poison. They're the same. Like, yeah, he's just he's just so 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 good, and I'm so happy to see him back. Well, and you know what's scary too? Well, not scary, I guess, uh, but it's going to be interesting. Is that he still has years ahead of him? It's not like he's done. You know, it's not like this oh, yeah. is here. so for him to plead uh, to plead and make his case that he is the best out and out. Still has a few more years to do it, but uh, if he's able to come back this season and he's already showing signs of it. And he's able to score, get assists, and provide that sort of work in midfield. I mean, Liverpool—they're gonna—they're gonna struggle at some point. Arsenal have already went through a struggle. They'll probably struggle again, I'd imagine. Aston Villa for sure will struggle at some point. But Manchester City—we know that they could turn it on at any time. And if they've got all of their guys healthy and fit, look out, as you know. And in the relegation zone, it remains Sheffield United, Burnley, and Luton Town. G. Nothing has changed here, but Everton are right on the cusp of being jumped by Luton Town because Luton Town have a game in hand. Your analysis here? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't foresee much changing in this uh, in the relegation battle. Like maybe like 
the actual positioning between uh, like 18, 19 and 20, but that really doesn't matter. Um, you know, I trust Everton to be able to turn it around. They've actually looked surprisingly good this year. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's kind of, I don't want to write them off like, you know, in, in stone, but I, I don't really see a scenario where either of those three kind of make it back out. Yeah. It's seeing, it's, it's seeming as though the writing sort of, uh, becoming written on the wall, if you will. And, uh, it does seem as though it's going to be those three, but you know, stranger things have happened in football, but I'm more on your side, really. I think that this is probably going to be the bottom on the end of the season, just based on how things have been going. Italy City A keeps us entertained, and the race is becoming clearer by the day. Juventus are now in first with 52 points. Inter are in second with 51 points, but Inter do have a game in hand. Milan sit third with 45 points. Fiorentina round out the top four with 34 points. Gatano, is it now time to say that this has officially become a two or possibly a three horse race? Yeah, I th- I don't see anyone else outside of Juve Inter racing along kind of challenging for the title at this point. Um, but I also really love the fact that the race for the other European spots is super tight. Like it's, we're talking like almost ninth place, uh, which is Napoli sitting only on 31 points, three points back is nuts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, the title race itself, definitely probably just those three. Uh, but the race for the rest of Europe is going to be, you know, equally interesting as that title race. Absolutely. And anybody who keeps a close eye on City, I will be uh, loving that. And uh, we don't have this in the program, but uh, uh, Jose Mourinho, out the door at Roma. Any thoughts on that one? Um, I mean, like, sitting eighth in the league is not terrible. Um, I thought they were playing okay. I guess my my issues I don't know like so they brought in Daniele De Rossi in the short term. Six months. I don't see any like top level managers available like in the summer. So like I think whoever they bring in is a downgrade on Mourinho, and that's why I'm kind of a little iffy on it. But I also think that you know he's he was on his what second season or third season there. Third. I mean, like they kind of got ahead of. Uh, you know, third season syndrome with Mourinho because he doesn't typically last three. So I, I think it's uh, maybe short term might benefit them, get that little bit of a boost with the new manager, bringing in Daniele De Rossi, who, you know, bled for f- that club for however many years, I think is good. But long term, I'm not sure the vision was totally there. Yeah, and I agree with you in that the long term sort of project if you will i don't even really know if there is one but uh interesting to know as well and there's reports of this as well um that daniele de rossi didn't even negotiate a price for what he was being brought in for he literally told the club pay me whatever you want don't treat me as a legend of the club don't treat me as a former player just treat me as the coach and i'll do the job for as long as you want and uh yeah absolute legend there but uh yeah i don't know how to feel on the, the exit of Mourinho, but it definitely shook up the world of football and uh i'm sure that he'll land somewhere in the not-so-distant future, and I'm sure for two seasons he'll do impeccably well. <laughs> in Spain's La Liga, guess who? It's Girona, who are back at the top with 52 points. Real Madrid are in second, but they also have a critical game in hand. Barcelona sit in third with 44 points. It's Atletico Madrid and Athletic Club, who are joint fourth with 41 points. G. Uh, every time that we can say that Girona is at uh, the top of the table, it gives us great joy. And they absolutely slapped up Sevilla the other day, 5-1. <laughs> I'm only able to catch the highlights. I didn't actually watch the whole game, but uh, just looked unbelievable from what I saw in the, in the very short 
highlights. Um, can, can we say now, you know, similar to Italy, is this just down to two teams or does the title race kind of extend beyond that? I really don't think it does. I think this is straight up, you know, Real Madrid versus Rona. Like, I can't believe I'm saying that in like late January of 2024. Yeah. Like that is insane. And I don't know if you saw the stat, but they already have more points than their highest ever La Liga points total. Yeah. And they still have like 20 something games to go. Like it's incredible. Yeah. No, and that's and this is the beauty of football, right? And that's why I say, you know, you could toss your European Super League and any other ideas that you have. Like, this is what it's all about right here. Yeah. Teams having chances and going up against the best. This is what you want to see. And uh, the mere fact that La Liga is entertaining us week in, week out, I just hope that it continues to go so well for Girona. And we're going to keep a close eye on it here uh, on full time. In the Bundesliga, Leverkusen remained unbeaten with 48 points to their name. Only unbeaten team in Europe, so it seems. Uh, after their victory today, it is Bayern Munich, uh, who are in second with 44 points, so they've closed the gap just slightly. Stuttgart is in third. Finally, Leipzig and Dortmund are both pushing for that number four spot. G. Bayern are doing just enough uh, to maintain this reachable distance on Leverkusen, like I said, after their victory today. Uh, we know how tricky title races can get, you more than me, obviously being a City fan, but uh, realistically, how long can Leverkusen maintain this unbeaten run? Uh, the unbeaten run is tough. Um, and to me is one of like the, the craziest, hardest things to do, like in football is go a season without losing. Um, especially when you're like challenging for title, like it's different if you just like draw 38 games, but like we're talking about challenging for the title, um, you know, and up against, you know, Bayern Munich who, you know, are ready to just pounce on the tiniest, tiniest slip. Do I think Leverkusen can continue unbeaten? Probably not. Would I like to see it? Absolutely. Um, I do think there will be a loss somewhere in there. Um, you know, I just, I can't. It's so hard to be like, oh yeah, they're going to go the rest of the season unbeaten. Like, it's just a ridiculous claim. But the way they're playing, do I still see them, you know, ending up as champions of Germany? Probably. Yeah. Like, they're they're looking so good. Yeah, so good. And what it kind of reminded me of just the other day, um, the season when started fine COVID happened then they had to finish the season uh behind closed doors when Liverpool won Liverpool kind of had this same obviously they played a little bit differently Liverpool were scoring more goals these types of things but um Liverpool you know it kind of gives me the same sort of feeling because then Liverpool all of a sudden just dropped the 3-0 result away to Watford at that season you know so at some point I feel like a loss is going to come for, for Leverkusen or a bad performance is going to come you just don't keep it up for well in their case it's 34 games but you don't keep it up for that long so uh to your point, can I also see Leverkusen being champions at the end of this? Absolutely. I really can see it now. But, um, you know, the, the more that Bayern are able to just kind of keep it within reaching distance, you know that they're always going to be there or they're just about. So pretty cool title race there in the Bundesliga. And finally, in France's Ligue 1, PSG have widened the gap to eight points at the top. Nice are in second, Brest in third, and Monaco in fourth. Gatano, is this the moment that PSG start to climb that ladder and leave the rest behind? Yeah, barring like catastrophic failure, uh, I don't see how they blow this. I mean, like it is also well within, you know, that club's kind of DNA to have a catastrophic failure and blow this. So like, could happen. But, you know, similar to like Leverkusen going unbeaten, like, do I do I really see it happening? No, I think they will, uh, you know, comfortably, you know, walk to the league and title at this point. 
Yeah. And I'm not going to, you know, sign my name off on this one just yet, but ask me, maybe not our next show, but maybe the one after that, uh, that that's when it'll probably be all said and done if things stay the way that they are. But uh, yeah, certainly starting to trend in the direction that PSG are going to start to walk away with it. The teams who will compete in the Carabao Cup final have been determined. It will be Chelsea and Liverpool. A rematch of the Carabao Cup final two seasons ago, and I do have to make an omission on our last show. I said it was from last season, but obviously it was Manchester United and Newcastle last season, so my apologies for that one. But yeah, two seasons ago, uh, Liverpool and Chelsea met up in that final, and it was a good one. Uh, Chelsea defeated Middlesbrough uh, on aggregate in the semifinal by a score of 6-2 to two after what was a massive second leg at home. Liverpool defeated Fulham by an aggregate score of 3-2 to two after their 1-1 draw today. Gee, we aren't making finals predictions just yet, but what could you say for these semifinals? Uh, I thought the semifinals were super entertaining. Uh, Middlesbrough sneaking a result against Chelsea in the first leg was, uh, you know, unexpected to say the least. Um, and then Fulham giving Liverpool you know, just about all they could handle was uh, a pleasant surprise. I agree with that. And the final, as we just said, it will consist of two historic clubs, uh, Chelsea and Liverpool. And uh, as we said, uh, you know, a couple seasons ago, it was the, the Carabao Cup final that definitely kept us on our toes. Um, it ended in favor of Liverpool as they were victors over Chelsea on penalties. Uh, and that final for the Carabao Cup, uh, Carabao Cup is going to be set for Sunday, February 25th. And that'll be at 11.30 a.m. Eastern time. So, G, without making any predictions, uh, just in your opinion, which of these teams looking ahead needs this trophy more and why? Uh, I think they both need it for very different reasons. I think Liverpool, you know, they're kind of, I don't want to say they're coming to the end of the Klopp era, but it's definitely, you know, closer to the end than the beginning now. And I think, I don't want to like say your stat padding trophies, but like, you know, when Klopp leaves, he's going to want to look back and say, I won this, I won that, I won this, you know, you know, with a good track record. So I think they kind of need it in that sense. And I think Chelsea need it as kind of the, kind of the other end of the, you know, the start of their project, you know, Start like been almost uh, what a year now since Todd Bowley took over. Yeah, it was last January. Yeah. So yeah, I think he kind of, they kind of need that to be like, hey, this is kind of the the first step in our journey, you know, uh, with this project. So I think they kind of both need it equally, but for very different reasons. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good way to put it, and I uh, I agree with you. If I had to pick one, I'm just going to lean Chelsea purely from the point of view that I think Liverpool could do some damage in the Europa League and possibly win it. And I think that in the FA Cup, they're obviously in with a shout there too. So I'll just tip Chelsea just for the mere fact that they need some level of positivity because there's a lot of discontent at that club. But to your point, I think either team can can use this trophy uh, for more reasons than one. And the FA Cup has now come down to its final 32 teams. Of those 32 teams, 15 Premier League teams remain in the competition. There are teams from the championship who are still involved. Teams from League One and League Two. And there is even a side that is in the National League South at the semi-professional level who remains in the competition. Gee, it's the magic of the cup and uh, the variety in these 32 final teams uh, in this competition is absolutely awesome. Your thoughts as the uh, FA Cup progresses here, sir? Oh, I'm so excited for uh, a National League upset of like a championship team. It's going to be great. I like it. You know, it's going to happen. It's going to be so good. Yeah, it's uh, unbelievable. And uh, just the, the mere fact that 
again, that variety is there. It's not just all Premier League teams and a couple of championship teams. There's a variety in five different um, leagues across uh, the UK, which is great. And again, it's the, the oldest competition in uh, British football. And uh, again, the magic of the cup. And uh, this particular weekend upcoming, all the games are happening. Uh, are there any ties years or one even that catches your eye that you might be circling on your calendar uh, for this weekend? So like the obvious one would be City and Tottenham. Uh, sure. should be a, a great tie. Uh, but just looking at the fixtures, like Chelsea-Aston Villa in the FA Cup, like that's a sick, sick game to have. And then uh, Ipswich Town against Maidstone United. Just it's it's got to happen. It has to happen. <laughs> It does. Uh, if so, it's definitely not a bad side, but that's the one I'm circling. And then obviously, um, in terms of profile of matchup, the best one's going to be Tottenham and your Manchester City. So some really good ties coming up. The uh, the FA Cup fourth round will wrap up on Monday, uh, January the 29th. So between now, we're recording here on uh, January the 24th. Um, and this upcoming Monday, January the 29th, there will be games that take place every day on your luck, uh, local television sports network. The winners of these ties will play in the fifth round of the FA Cup, which will consist of the final 16 teams in the competition. That will take place on February 28, 2024, so just after the Carabao Cup final. In the upcoming shows of Full Time, we will highlight all of those upcoming games for you. This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you're listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Podcast. A reminder that full-time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Ladies and gentlemen, that is full-time. As we bring today's show to a close, we want to sincerely thank you for always tuning in and being with us to talk about the sport that connects us all. Gee, my brother, another great time today. Thank you, my friend. No problem, Scarps. Always a pleasure being on, getting to talk about silly season, the title race, uh, you know, cup magic. Like it's gonna, it's always a good one. It is always a good one, and uh, tonight hopefully just continues to get better because now we get to go play. So this sport is so much involved in our lives, and for good reasons, and it's such a positive thing for us. So yeah, we're just about ready to sign off. But a reminder to our listeners that the next episode of Full Time will be recorded the week of February fifth, twenty twenty four. And in that show, we will wrap up the January transfer window. We will discuss Europe's Big Five, and we'll talk about the FA Cup. As always, we will keep everyone in the loop for all of the happenings in the world of football. For weekly content, make sure to hit like, follow, and subscribe to all platforms of both the Game Sports Podcast and 91N on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Podbean. For Gaetano Gallo, my name is Daniel Scarpino, and thank you for tuning in to Full Time. We look forward to seeing you at kickoff next time back here on the Game Sports Podcast and 91N. Best always.